0: And welcome to the Fantasy Faithful, an FPL podcast brought to you by thefootballfaithful.com. I am your host, Steve McGovern, and I am joined by the soothsayer himself, Harry Diamond. Harry, how are you after nailing your one-week punt pick in game week seven?
1: I'm very well, thanks mate. How are you?
0: Oh, not too bad. I gotta say I'm delighted I mean, I got mine wrong. I said Carlin Grant, but I was delighted <laughs> I got it wrong because Alexander Mitrovic got two assists. You you said he would score, but uh, you know what, I, I will give it to you anyway. He got two assists. So uh thanks Harry. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the, the credit for, you for Fulham's first win of the season. Yeah. Um how how was your game week in, in general?
1: Very average for me, really. Um I finished below the average points for I think just the second time this season. I'm clinging on to top spot in the middle leagues that I'm in at the moment, but it wasn't a very productive week for me.
0: Yeah, you know what? Last week I was like looking for your team before we started the podcast, and I was like, I can't find it. I was going through all the pages, not realizing that you were very uh, close to the top at the minute. You were th- where were you last week? Because you're thirteenth at the minute because you, you you had forty five points, so that saw a green arrow down to thirteenth.
1: Yeah, I think I was seven or eight, maybe. I was wow. I was climbing, but yeah, I had a bit of a backward step this week.
0: Yeah, you, you, so you're on 447 at the minute, and you're behind the current leader, who is the same leader as last week, is uh, Kwaku Asante. And yeah, he had a kind of an average week as well uh, 56 points. He had Kane captained, but then so many of his players blanked. But he did actually have Kyle Walker, who got 15 points. So yeah, he, he kind of had an average week, but it was enough to keep him on top.
1: Triple <clears> command, Interesting. Yeah.
0: He's got not, a- not sure I'd do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. look, last week I had a, you know, in game week six I should say, I I had a pretty miserable week and this week I had a pretty good week so yeah, we we move onward and upward, if you want to join our uh, fantasy league then use the code QCEY3L or hit the auto join link in the episode description if you want to try to overtake Harry in 13th place, I'm all the way back in 308th so, uh, yeah, yeah I've, got some, uh, I've got some catching up to do, all right. Uh, right, now it's time to look back on uh, our mistakes and regrets for the week. Who's Captain Hindsight?
1: Captain Hindsight, the hero of the modern age.
0: Obvious one for me. Five of my six attacking players, Harry, got attacking returns. Which one do you think I captained?
1: I'm going to guess at Son.
0: Yes, the only player who did not get returns, which is, this is the, the type of week that just makes me want to bang my head against the wall. Whereas like if I had literally gone eeny, meeny, miny, moe, I would have had a better chance of picking a good captain yeah. than if I had gone with Son. Like, but like I said, I didn't make any changes, didn't make any transfers. I, I rolled the transfer on and uh, it worked out. You know, Even though James Rodriguez was injured and we knew he was going to miss, I decided you know, not to make any changes because I had Daniel Pedence he came in got the eight points i had grealish ings kane coverloo and Salah, uh, lampty kilman so yeah even martinez getting you know zero points against southampton didn't even really have much of an effect so i ended up getting 72 points Go few green arrows, so I can't really complain. The only thing was you texted me actually over the weekend, just uh, and the text just said Vestergaard question mark, and uh, I I was kind of like yeah you know uh, you know I, I like him I, I I might get him in you know I'm considering him you know I was like you, you were on the podcast last week you you, you heard me right yeah. <laughs> not realizing the game was on because <laughs> it was uh, what was it like half twelve kickoff yeah it was early I, I didn't even realize it was on because it was pay per view so uh, yeah I did talk about getting him. Didn't get him in and he ended up scoring. So uh, slight regrets here, but to be honest, I can't really complain considering Lamptey scored, Kilman got a, a clean sheet. So all around, uh, not too many regrets. What was your big regret? Like you said, you had a, a pretty bad week.
1: No massive regrets as I chose not to make any transfers as well um, and roll the transfer over. I would have probably benefited slightly by captaining Salah over Kane. But looking through my team... They pretty much all blanked, apart from Daniel Fernandes and Werner. I think having a goalkeeper and a defender in the four-three Villa Southampton game didn't really do me any favors. There's seven,
0: seven goals in that game, and you had you got one point. <laughs>
1: from yeah, that not ideal. And then Roman Sars didn't play either. You know, he normally plays every week for yeah. us, doesn't he? But he was. Uh, Left out, so
0: yeah, that, that was a strange one. All right, I was not expected, but um, I mean, last week, to be fair, size owners like yourself they got, got very lucky where he came off before Newcastle scored, so you got the clean sheet and the bonus points. This week, he didn't play at all, and they had a 19 year old playing instead who ends up scoring, so really amazing and, and just crazy because obviously Nuno Espirito Santo just loves consistency in his lineup, he just rarely changes things up. And yeah, I mean, at least uh, you weren't uh, like one of those poor souls. Like my brother, who has two Brighton keepers, neither of whom played at the weekend.
1: <laughs> Joking.
0: It just I mean like what a situation. Like that, that was one of you know one of those things where you just like, yeah, obviously if you if you double up on one team, you should be fine in terms of your goalkeeper. But no, um <laughs> Matt, Matt Ryan was for some reason benched and then they didn't play Walton or Steele. He played Robert Sanchez instead, did uh, Graham Potter. So <laughs> Very, very, very strange. My commiserations to everyone who had who, who doubled up on Brighton goalkeepers because that's a that's a rotten situation to be in. Uh, next up, it's time for the eye test, and we're going to look at some of the players who we thought looked really good who passed that eye test, and we're now going to consider uh, going forward. Harry, this is a player I've been meaning to look at closely. Maybe next time Spurs play, I'm going to I'm going to focus on him a lot. But I want to talk about Sergio Reguian because he seems to have come in and played quite well. He made the assist for Gareth Bale's winner at the weekend. What do you reckon? Do you think he's looking good? Is he passing the eye test for you?
1: Yeah, I like him. I think, particularly going forward, he looks really good. Um, My worry would be Spurs haven't kept a lot of clean sheets since Mourinho's been there, which is quite surprising, really, when you think of the reputation that Mourinho's got for a pragmatic approach, shall we say. But going forward, I think he looks a real threat, he's quick, he's got good delivery. And with few teams keeping regular clean sheets at the moment, it's probably better to get defenders in who are, who offer attacking returns more often than not.
0: Yeah, I, I saw on Reddit actually, apparently, you know, he's only made three appearances, but he's already fifth in expected assists among defenders and first among defenders in XG and XA per 90. You know, and he's only played 270 minutes, so... He's he's already shown a lot in those few games. So he's won, what is he, 5.6, I think. Yeah. So I am definitely considering uh, him. He's definitely on my watch list. Was there anybody else who, who uh, caught your eye at the weekend?
1: Yeah, I thought um, Hakim Ziyech for Chelsea mm. looked really good. He's obviously taken a while to get going after getting injured in pre-season. He uh, started his first two games over the past week, scored in the Champions League in midweek and then scored and provided an assist against Burnley at the weekend. He's obviously come across from Ajax with a really good reputation for goals and assists, but there's always that element of risk, isn't there, when you sign players from Holland with the the way they come into the Premier League hit and miss, but he looks the real deal. From his first few starts for Chelsea, and he could be a bargain at eight billion. My only concern would be Lampard doesn't really seem to know his best team; he's hmm. chopping and changing quite a bit. But
0: surely, though, Ziyech is is part of that because he might very well be the key to unlock their creativity and attack. I think surely he has to be starting, you know, week in, week out now, right?
1: You would think so, yeah. I, I think I think he will be, but I'm just going to keep an eye on him for the next couple. But he's yeah, he's-, he's on my watch list.
0: Oh, de- definitely, especially with uh, James Rodriguez, kind of a, a bit of a doubt. We don't know what's going to happen. And even even if James Rodriguez, say, comes back this week, he, he has been an injury liability over the years, and he's missed a lot of games over the years. So I, I might preemptively get rid of him for someone like Ziyech. Easy enough move to, uh, to make at that price point. So, yeah, uh, Ziyech is definitely on my watch list. Other players who look good, Jack Realish, obviously, goal and two assists. Unbelievable. Could have actually had two goals and one assist if he had taken that penalty. So that's uh, something to take note of that I I think Jack Realish is going to pass the uh, responsibility to uh, someone like Watkins or maybe even Ross Barkley when he's on the pitch. But Jack Realish, as per usual, just brilliant. Uh, James Ward-Prowse, obviously, two goals and an assist. It'd be interesting to see what happens now with Danny Ings out. It could be that with their main striker out that they have to... Uh, rely on someone like Ward Prowse more often and then obviously uh, Daniel Pedence he got a goal he should have had an assist actually for the first goal because uh, his cross came off the defender's header and then into kind of landed to Ait Nuri, who then scored I, I kind of felt like they should have given the assist for that and he also had a really good chance in the second half too so he's still getting in those positions I was thinking about downgrading him and and then going to maybe upgrade my defense but I think I might I might stick for the minute. Up next we're going to look at some stats. None of this nerd right. nonsense so- about expected goals. Now that we're 7 weeks in, you're going to start seeing a lot of statistical graphs going around because we can finally get an accurate overview of all the teams. I have a graph here or I have a table rather of the kind of all the offensive statistics so far this season. So we're going up to game week 7 now and uh, some interesting things In terms of uh, minutes per big chance, obviously Liverpool, right at the top, 26 and a half minutes per big chance. 91 open play, goal attempts, 123 shots, way above everyone else. I mean, they haven't maybe looked as threatening as in previous seasons, Harry, but judging by the numbers, they are frighteningly good.
1: Yeah, the stats paint a good picture for them at the moment, don't they? They, They've gone back top of the division uh, this week and it seems like... No one really seems to think that they're playing well and they don't look like they're playing that well to the eye. But that those stats that we're looking at here look pretty ominous going forward, don't we? And their, their attackers are always going to get chances.
0: Yeah, and I think we've we've all been kind of saying, what are they going to do without Virgil van Dijk? But I think they've have they won all their games since van Dijk got injured. So they don't look like they're in trouble, at least not to the extent that I think uh, all the Doom merchants were predicting. A couple of other stats that really stand out. Again, the, the minutes per big chance, right down at the bottom is Burnley, 94 minutes per bit. So basically, barely getting one big chance per game. So that is very interesting. If if you've got players who are coming up against Burnley, just keep that in mind if you've got defenders and maybe you can get bring in defenders when a, a team is, is facing Burnley. But not far off them is Manchester United at 82 and a half minutes per big chance. Are you kind of surprised by that, Harry? Or you know, looking at you United, know, it's kind of like, yeah, no, it makes sense.
1: It seems like a surprising stat to hear, but they've been so hit and miss this season. It seems like they've been saving the best performances for the Champions League, which is odd. They just can't seem to get any sort of run together, can they? They've been pretty hopeless in each of their home games so far. The 0 nil draw with Chelsea, the best result they've put up in four games at Old Trafford. The front three ended last season really well, didn't they? And yep. they've, they've not started right at Greenwood and Martial haven't got going, have they? Obviously, Martial's mm-hmm. been suspended and Greenwood's had a difficult start. I expect them to improve, but that is a worrying start to look at.
0: Yeah, it's not great. And kind of looking at, at some of their other stats, it's not like nothing is hopping off the page in, in a good way anyway. Hex G in open play is three and a half. 3.50, which is is not good. Like if you again compare it to Liverpool's, Liverpool's xG from open play is 12.14. That's a huge difference. And everyone else is kind of averaging around five, six. The good teams are are seven or above. So United are right down near the bottom of the table. I know they've only played six games. That's still really bad. And uh, to be honest with you, you'd expect a lot more. But I mean, a, a team up right near the top of the, of this list is, is Tottenham actually. Again, 28 minutes per big chance, 13.72 expected goals. So their attack is actually looking quite well. I, this was one of the things with, with Tottenham. I didn't think it, before the season began that their attack would click very well. I thought, will Harry Kane be back to his best? Will uh, Jose Mourinho find the right mix? And he has. So do those numbers match what you're seeing in, in relation to Spurs?
1: Yeah, I think so. I've always been a big, big fan of Harry Kane as a as a fantasy asset, and he's he's always one that I look to put in the first draft of any team I do when he's fit. And uh, this season, it was all this talk, wasn't there? Can Mourinho get the best out of him? Can he can he thrive in a Mourinho team? And he started the season playing as good as football as we can remember, really, as in all round play. Son's absolutely flying with Bale scoring at the weekend. It, it looks good for them going forward and uh, an attacking sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Although the the only thing I will say though is that at the weekend, I was happy in the beginning when when uh, Son looked dangerous the first couple of attacks and I thought, right, he's going to get something today. And then they won the penalty and Spurs pretty much closed up shop. They didn't really do anything. And that is my worry with Spurs as a fancy option is that when they get a lead, they'll be happy enough to say, okay, we're done for the day. Uh, certainly if they've got a one or two goal lead when it gets to half time and your player hasn't returned i think you're out of, you're shit out of luck because they they're just not going to go for it um after a certain point point. and i was kind of surprised that they kind of uh, shut up uh, shop so early against brighton because they seemed to dominate like the opening whatever it was 15 20 minutes and then they just let brighton have the ball for the for pretty much most of the game and i thought they kind of got away with it i'm not sure do you agree with that am i am i, am I reading it wrong or or do you think that's a fair assessment
1: no, I think I think that's always a risk of the Mourinho team, isn't it? That he's he'll protect a lead if they go into it. I think what we might see is if they come out and blitz teams early, mm-hmm. then they'll they'll carry on pushing forwards. But yeah, in games where they find it a little bit harder to break teams down or they nick themselves in front, he's always that type of manager, isn't he, where he'll prioritize the result over the style of play, shall we say?
0: Yeah. And and also actually it shouldn't go without mentioning that during the week they lost in the Europa League. To a fairly ordinary team, so you know, not not everything is perfect. Whether, I mean, we'll see now because they're kind of there's there's slight murmurings, you know, people talking about them as a as a potential title challenger. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. I'm not sure that they'll keep it up for the entire season, but uh, look, I want to move on anyway to to more defensive stats. The team I want to bring up are Arsenal because they actually have the best defensive record in the Premier League, despite having already played. Liverpool, Man City and Man United away. Sam Dean shared that on Twitter and I just had to uh, relay it on the podcast here because honestly, I did not think this Arsenal team had it in them. Have you been impressed by the Arsenal defence? Do you think that Arsenal defence is is the real deal and maybe we should be looking towards them as real options in defence?
1: Yeah, I'm watching the Arsenal backline for options. I, I'm with you, I never thought... That we would we started talking about an Arsenal team that looks solid defensively. It seems like the backline's been an Achilles heel for ever, a de- yeah, for, forever, yeah, for <laughs> ten years or whatever. Like I've got I've got a few Arsenal supporter friends, and I always say to them, it must be so frustrating that oh. it seems like everybody who watches football can see what their problems have been for so many years, and they've just failed to to fix them. But the signing of Gabrielle, who looks like a real player, and Party. Mixed with Arteta's, I wouldn't say pragmatic approach, but he's, he's given them a better structure and he's put them into a system which suits the players that they've got at the moment, which I think could lead to plenty more clean sheets going forward.
0: I think the, the big test is they played some of the big teams and they've come through relatively well. So they're definitely on the watch list in general. Who, who are you thinking of in terms of Arsenal defenders? Because I've got half an eye on Hector Bellerin, to be honest with you. 5.0... I think he's probably Arsenal's most creative player on the right-hand side. He's a very interesting option at the minute. I used to love him having him in my FPL team a few years ago and I think he might finally be, be back in my reckoning. What about you?
1: Yeah, I like Luka Bellerin. I, I think he's, he's never really hit the heights that everyone expected him to, has he, when he first came on C. I know he's obviously had his injury problems and stuff, but Especially if Arteta's playing sticks with the back three and wing back formation, which it appears that he will do. I think Bellerin playing further forward looks like a good option. I think Gabriel could be a decent option. I think he, he might get a couple of goals to add to the clean sheets because he's a big, big lad in here presence at set pieces. But yeah. if I was going for anyone, I'd, I'd go Bellerin.
0: And he seems to eat everything up, Gabriel. Like they, there was no bother to him against Man United. It's just Batten them away and um, so I, I can't see him losing his place anytime soon and as long as he's in the team I think they are that de- better defensively right next up what I wanted to look at was some Danny Ings replacements obviously Danny Ings went off with a pretty bad looking knee injury since then Southampton have said that it's not as bad as they first feared so hopefully Danny Ings is all right he won't be a long-term injury but it looks like he might be out for the next little while and seeing as I have Danny Ings in my team, Harry, I want you to give me some ideas on who I should get in instead.
1: Well, they're not the most creative of alternatives, but I think the safest bets would probably be Dominic Carvert-Lewin, who okay. is obviously enjoying a fine runner form. Um, he's guaranteed pretty much to play every week. Raul Jimenez as well. Maybe he hasn't hit the heights of last season, but again, he's, he's a guaranteed starter every week. He takes penalties. He's playing in a good side. His Wolves is his main man, really.
0: Yeah. So I, I already have uh, Calvert-Lewin, and I don't think I'll go for Jimenez because I've already got uh, two Wolves players. I don't want to... I'm, I'm, uh, to be honest with you, one of my philosophies this season is I, I want to avoid tripling up on anybody. And what do you think about... He's you know, he's a little bit more expensive. I'll have to make two moves if I want to make this happen. But Timo Werner, I know you've got him in your team. Are you, are you happy with him in your team? And um, would you say he'd be a good replacement for Ings going forward?
1: I am fairly happy with him in my team at the moment. He's he's ticking over, but I'm keeping him on the basis that I think he's got the potential to explode with a real run of goals, more so than maybe some of the names I've just mentioned. I know obviously Calvert lewins flying, but Werner has scored prolifically throughout much of his career to date and he started fairly well at Chelsea. My concern would be Lampard's position of him and rotating of his forward line but I Mm -hmm. think he's going to play most of the games and I think he'll play most of them in the centre forward role I think he would be a good replacement
0: yeah I I think you're right that's a good point actually because at 9.3 which is his price at the minute I would want to be absolutely certain that he's starting every game and he only started the last game because Christian Pulisic pulled up with an injury in the warm-up, I'm not entirely sure that he's going to start every week. So, so I'm looking around and I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know how many of these players I want to commit to long term. Patrick Bamford has obviously had a really good start to the season. Uh, you know, his price has risen by half a million, but he's still six point zero. That's unbelievable value. And so we'll see you know if he keeps up for the rest of the season. Callum Wilson, six point
1: five. Yeah. I was, to... was gonna mention Callum Wilson. I think Newcastle have got a fairly decent run of fixtures coming up as well. They play mm-hmm. Southampton this weekend and then Chelsea, which obviously two tough games, but then they play Palace, Villa, West Brom, Leeds and Fulham. And with Wilson, you know he's gonna play every week. You know he's gonna take penalties. And he's, he's enjoying um, a really good run of form. I saw a stat before that he's scored six goals in his first seven games now for Newcastle, which is one more than he managed in his previous 30 at Bournemouth yeah. last season. So he's, he's back enjoying himself again and playing well.
0: And do you know he's Newcastle's joint top goal scorer since the beginning of last season?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs>
0: it's unbelievable. The only thing is that last season, he also started... The campaign red hot on fire, and then just did not do a single thing. Then, after like I can't remember, it was like after game week 12, just went off the radar. But you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was a little bit of a drop off. But to be honest with you, I've been a, I really doubted Callum Wilson before the beginning of the season because I was just kind of like, just don't see it with Newcastle, I just don't see how they're going to create chances for him. But uh, yeah, he's done he's done really well. And a couple of other ones I've, I've got in my mind are Jamie Vardy again, I'd have to make a couple of moves for that, but. Yeah, he keeps popping up every time Every time he, you know, he he has a performance where you go Jesus he wasn't in that at all and then he comes back and he, he has a brilliant one like he did against Leeds on Monday so I think he always has to be in your consideration but uh, one who you suggested last week Alexander Mitrovic might be back in my thinking if uh, Fulham can play as well as they did against West Brom of course uh, they won't be playing West Brom every week so uh, we'll see about that but yeah lots of mull over there some uh, strikers we'll, we'll all have to consider all of us uh, Danny Yang's owners Right, uh, what about differentials, Harry? Let's go under the radar. Who have you got for me?
1: I've got for Pablo Fornals.
0: Oh, You know what? I have that written down here as well. Right, why Why is Pablo Fornells a differential
1: you should look <laughs> at this week? He came over with a big reputation from Villarreal and he, he struggled really. But he seems to be in the side, in favour and growing in confidence at the moment. He's only in 1% of squads, which is nothing. Um, And he actually ranks eighth out of all midfielders for total points so far. He's got himself a couple of goals. He's priced at 6.4 million and he has more points at the moment than the likes of Bruno Fernandes, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford. With West Ham playing, I know the results aren't the best, but the performances have been fairly solid over the last few weeks and they've got a pretty nice run of fixtures coming up. So I think he could be one to watch.
0: Yeah, only owned by 1% of managers. So, I mean, that is as differential as it gets. And he's been playing really well lately. I'm surprised actually it's not even a few percent higher, his ownership, because, uh, yeah, he's he's looked really good. And I think he's he's finally showing why West Ham bought him in the first place and kind of potential that he has. So uh, hopefully he keeps that up. And, you know, they got Fulham... Fulham have been getting better, and actually, to be honest with you, Fulham's kind of like defensive numbers and attacking numbers haven't been great, but they haven't been bottom of the table bad. Do you know what I mean? So, I, I think West Ham should be Fulham, but it's not, it's not a gimme, I don't think, anymore. I think Fulham is steadily getting better, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see anyway, it would be interesting, but uh, yeah, I'd say for an or even uh, your favourite, Jared Bowen. 2.2% yep. ownership. <laughs> he could be a good show as well. Some other ones to throw in there. Again, I mentioned Hector Bellerin, 6.6% ownership. I think he's a good one to get on, and I think people will start getting on him soon, especially if Arsenal keep the clean sheets rolling. Uh, James Ward Prowse, 4.5%. He's 5.9 in the minute, so that's a very interesting option. But one I do want to bring up again is uh, another Fulham player, Tom Kearney, who is 5.3 million, and he has in the past four weeks he's attempted 12 key passes uh, which is fourth in the league so only Bruno Fernandes Jack Grealish and Jack Harrison interestingly enough are ahead of him in that regard he has not created any big chances but the reason why I brought up Kearney was before the West Brom game he looked a bit lost a bit out of place and I really thought Jesus I th- I, I don't think he can hack it in the Premier League anymore I don't think this is for him and then what uh, Scott Parker did was played him in the 10 role where he should be playing played uh, Mario Mario Lamina and and Anguissa behind him. And he kind of was relinquished of of any defensive responsibility, really. And he was freer to be a more creative outlet. And I think if Scott Parker goes with with that kind of midfield trio going forward or something like that, then I I feel, yeah, Kearney could be an interesting uh, differential there. So, yeah, that is under the radar. And we'll now go under the knife to perform some team surgery and talk about our transfers. Uh, We both have two free transfers, uh, Harry. What is the first move you're looking to make?
1: I'm actually full of regret when it comes to transfers because I've made the cardinal sin and gone very, very early with my transfers Mm. and already thinking they may not have been the wisest moves.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. So you've made two transfers, have you?
1: Yeah, I've made two. I've lost patience with Trent. Okay. And I've moved to bring Dinye in, who will be back from suspension. Okay. I've rewarded Daniel Pedence for his best performance of the season by giving him the chop for my team. Okay. And I've upgraded him with the money I had spare and brought in Marcus Rashford, which, based on the stats we've just spoken about at Manchester United, may not have been the wisest move. <laughs> But to be fair,
0: I, I do like Marcus Rashford. And looking at his, his uh, performance against Orby Leipzig in the Champions League, I was like, he's back on the table. You know, I'm thinking about getting him back in. And That, I that love- was
1: exactly my thinking. Yeah. And then United were absolutely piss poor.
0: It's so strange, isn't it? It's such a strange thing where like United come up against PSG and Orby Leipzig. You know, one team who was in the Champions League final, the other who, was, who lost to that team in the, in the semi-final they got two of the most tactically astute young managers in the game and united outplay them out tactic them and then they go and just look so feeble in back to back premier league games i'm just so flabbergasted like it's just such a strange set of circumstances and i it, i just never know what to make of united most of the time
1: no they they, they can't really be trusted can they but I went on the back. I think I can't even remember when I did the double change. I'm, I feel like I'm sitting on Saturday, which is, is madness. I think I was looking at my poor <laughs> game week and I've, I've panicked. But Rashford and Dinier, the more long term transfers, I think they're playing each other this weekend, which isn't ideal. But I've put Rashford now into a midfield four with Salah Son and Wilfred Zahar, which will play as my four every week. So I've, I've played 4 4 2 most weeks in uh fantasy so far, which I think they've they've all got goals in the month they? they're basically four forwards uh playing the yeah. midfield. So hopefully yeah. it pays off.
0: So I have not used my, my transfers yet. <laughs> I've I've uh, gone uh, the other way. I I might give it a couple of days. I want to get some more, you know, information and team news before uh make any moves. I've got three players who are a doubt. Hamas Rodriguez Tyreek Mitchell and Tariq Lamptey. And then obviously Ings looks like he's, got, he's going to be out for the, for the next little while. So I've got a few moves to make there. We'll probably have to get rid of Ings and uh, I'll, I'll replace him with one of the options we talked about earlier. And then I've also got half an eye on Hector Bellerin and Yannick Vestergaard. So those are the moves that I'm thinking about making. Not quite sure yet. What about captaincy? I mean, I've got a feeling it's, it's only between two men, Kane or Salah which is a question I'm going to be asking most weeks this season, I think, Harry.
1: Yeah, that, that seems to be my, my dilemma every week. But I think for the third week in a row, I'm going to go with Harry Kane. I said last week that I leaned to him because of penalties over Son when it came between two of them, and that paid off for me last week. Spurs, I, don't, I don't see Spurs having any problem with West Brom this weekend, so I think Kane is going to take my armband once again this week.
0: West Brom looked absolutely toothless against Fulham so unless there's a a big turnaround there I mean I can't see West Brom surviving that game so it's a smart enough option to go for Kane or Son this week and last week again I should have taken your advice you were absolutely right you were on the money about Kane scored a penalty which probably shouldn't have been a penalty but I went with Son if I if I had swapped actually my captains from game week six and game week seven I'd be laughing but at the minute I have it on Kane so I think I'll probably keep it that way. I don't want to be chopping and changing it, but Harry Kane is the most obvious choice this week, I think. And uh, in the form he's in, you can't really go wrong. And West Brom are just, like I said, in terrible form. So everything kind of matches up there. One week punt then. I was so wrong last week with my Nick Pope shout. Obviously, you got a spot on with your Alexander Mitrovic show. Uh, who are you thinking this week, Is if, if you're going to buy one player just for this week and get rid of them then the next week, who would you get? There's
1: a couple I'd be looking at. The first one is Gareth Bale. Mm. You see, he came off the bench last week and scored the winner as we just mentioned Spurs are facing a West Rom team struggling badly after losing to Fulham. so I'm expecting a comfortable Spurs win and I think Bale could play a part in that
0: interesting shout (laughs) I've gone for a little bit of a left field one I think might be an idea to go for somebody with in the Newcastle defense or even actually I would say go with Carl Darlow in nets because Southampton's attacking threat is definitely going to be stunted without Danny Ings yeah they're gonna have to bring in like Shane Long or something like that I know Shea Adams has been playing well but I just don't think he's going to give you the cutting edge that that Danny Ings has and I mean you saw that goal he scored against Aston Villa at the weekend just unbelievable he has more goals from outside the box than any other player since the beginning of last season and they're going to miss that they're going to miss that big time and I think Newcastle they can be a bit stubborn I mean you you never know what you're going to get with Newcastle either they're going to you know, get lucky and, you know, pull a result out of their arse or they're going to get steamrollers. And uh, I, f- I just feel like sometimes they're going to miss Ings. So, Carl Darlow is, is my one-week punt.
1: it be smooth Jimmy's lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. But Harry, what is your lock of the week? It's got to be Harry Kane for me, although I have a feeling that Timo Werner will find the net again this weekend against Sheffield United. But my, my absolute lock... Would be Harry Kane.
0: Yeah, I have that written down as well. Actually, Team Avonir versus Sheffield United. Yeah, I could just, I could see him. So I don't know why. I just, I, I have this vision in my mind of him scoring. So, uh yeah, I think that's a good show. And I've also put down. Sadio Mane against Manchester City I could just see him doing it at the Etihad I could see Sadio Mane getting a goal and maybe adding an assist to it as well so Sadio Mane for lock of the week I think I I can see it happen. and obviously that's something you'll be hoping for as well
1: yeah that's so so fingers crossed
0: right that's the end of this week's episode so all that's left for me to say is thank you for listening thank you Harry for joining me today pleasure Make sure to follow us on all our social channels. Just look up The Football Faithful and head to thefootballfable.com for more FPL and Premier League content. And good luck this weekend.